Support the Amigos podcast and keep the Amiga goodness flowing for just a dollar a month. Visit our page at patreon.com slash Amigos podcast. Amiga, the first personal computer that gives you a creative edge. Amigos, the podcast about everything Amiga. Amigos is a proud member of the Throwback Network, your home for quality retro podcasts. And now, here are your hosts, Aaron Dowdy and John Bodovkar Schaller. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Amigos. I'm John. And I'm Aaron. And today we are going to talk about the secret of Monkey Island. But before we get into the secret of Monkey Island, uh, I want to tell each and every one of you about an important event that's happening next week. Next week is Amigos episode 100. That's right, folks. We've been doing this for 100 episodes. That is 100 weeks of podcasts. It's 99 weeks more than I ever thought we would do. (laughs) Very true. Very true. And I need each and every one of you to do something very special. You need to go to everythingamiga.com, okay? And then scroll down. Two, all the way to the bottom of the page almost, and you're going to find a thing called Episode Game Ranking, okay? What you need to do is scroll through this list, and when you find a game that you really like, vote it up, just like that, except I've already voted, so it won't let me vote again. And then when you find a game that you don't like, you click on it, and it'll vote it down. Or is that or a game, a game that you didn't like when we played it? Right. <laughs> So this is how we're going to determine the reader's top five, or the listener's top five. Uh, Then Aaron and I will each have our own top fives, and that is going to be a major part of episode 100. Of course, we'll have all kinds of giveaways. Um, Our sponsor, official sponsor of episode 100, O'Brien's Retro and Vintage, is sending us a whole bunch of stuff to give away to lucky listeners. Uh, We're going to have quizzes, uh, screenshot quiz from Dreamcatcher again. That was a big hit last time. So, I don't know how he does it. Uh, you'll be able to play along at home or in the chat. We hope that you join us live. Uh, we're going to be recording earlier for you folks in the UK. I think uh, we're going to be able to do it around 5.30, right, next Thursday? Yes, sir. Yeah, so um, make sure you tune in for a very special episode 100 of The Amigos. A very special episode of The Amigos this week. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> no life lessons will be learned. None. Um even though this was on the pre-show, I just wanted to shout out to Chris Folds again. Chris Folds for sending us awesome candies of joy. These were tremendous. Um, Shall I go over them one more time? Yeah, let's go over them one more time. These are these are what he considers to be quintessential British flavors for candy. So, Aaron, what's that first one there? This was uh, yummy rhubarb and custard. Uh, these are all, by the way, from an outfit called the Treat Kitchen Confectionery. And Nottingham, England. Right. And that second one? We didn't get this one, by the way. He, uh, We tried to guess them, but we didn't do well. Yeah. This one really threw us, these little cubes. These are called Tasty Cola Cubes. Um, I can't recall. We I couldn't even identify these, and I believe you said they thought they might be what? I thought they were like a cherry cordial. Yeah. Not even no. close. No. These last ones, I will claim victory, because I did say live key lime pie, to correct it. I hadn't gotten to the center of them yet. That's where the secret lies. The secret of key lime pie island. Zesty chocolate limes. Uh, these were good. They yeah. were all great. And so, so thanks. Thank you, Mr. Folds, for uh, sending 
Candy the Fat Guy. Absolutely. I approve. <laughs> All right, Aaron, it's time to talk about Amiga News. Well, we're going to start off in-house today. Um, I had some, I had uh, uh, an excuse of my uh, partner being out of town this week and my uh, girlfriend and my son being occupied to take some time, some special time, with the in-house Amiga 500. Ooh. Uh, if you're uh, an old-time listener, you'll recall that we have a um, a stock Amiga 500 uh, on hand that we had to... Let's see, what have we done to this thing? We had to... My cat made this thing do a front flip off of a bookcase and broke the case, so we had to get a new lid for Talk it. case? Which is... A, it was a little a little cracked or junky, but it was okay. We had to... We had no power supply, and here in West Virginia... No Amiga power supplies, are there, no. boat? No Amiga stores, no boot sales, no uh, no uh, secondhand swap uh, meets. Swap meets, no church socials. Are they selling stuff on the side? Nothing. We had nothing. <laughs> so we had to, our good friends in Poland. When a gentleman there sold me a device and let me hook the uh, an old, old, incredibly old AT power supply from PC up to the Amiga. And Boat supplied the amusing box to put it in after shorting some <laughs> was, stuff out. That was my contribution. And uh, and lo and behold, the Amiga lived. And so uh, the Amiga then, I don't think we did anything to it for a while, and it sat dormant. And a couple weeks ago, Boat decided to give me back all the Amiga stuff to do something with it, he said. So I thought, well, do something I shall. And so the first thing I did was uh, try to get the GoTech drive that you had purchased uh, working. Now, I've never used a GoTech drive. I've seen people use them on the net, but I wasn't exactly sure how you got it going or uh, what was involved. And what is involved is flashing the drive with a uh, an Amiga. Basically, you're reflashing the, uh, the uh, uh, drive to cope with Amiga. Um, if you're not familiar with what a GoTech drive is, it's essentially a a floppy drive emulator uh, and uh, for the PC or uh, on the Amiga or I, I assume a variety of various platforms yeah. and uh, uh, to get it to work you have to flash it for whatever platform I guess you, in this case the Amiga and if you're interested in learning more how to do that we have a great article written by tech wizard Jason yes. Warnes on yes. the site and what's what's <laughs> used Mm-hmm. Ad nauseum. Uh, I used it. I, I needed all the help I could get. So uh, I had a little trouble flashing just because of some wiring stupidity, but I got it flashed. And then uh, I knew mounting this thing was going to be wacky. Uh, I figured there were two ways to mount it. I could have got, uh, got an extension for the power and uh, for the drive cable and mounted it on the outside. In this case, and I, I'm prepared for some flack on this boat. I made the decision to internally mount it and cut some of the case around the I saw drive that. bay. I saw that. Um, I I uh, did that with some pause because I know people are going. Sometimes people really get mad about it, and I understand. I will say this: uh, this case top again. We got it second hand, and God knows how many other hands it had been in, and it was jacked up to begin with. I mean, it was it had crack in it. It had a chunk missing out of it and uh and the internals that was a little, were a little gooey too it was just it was just i mean this we we got it for you didn't pay much for this thing did you and i can't remember what you paid the go tech no the uh, case top all oh, the case top is about 40 bucks yeah well so i thought well 
I'm making the executive decision because we just don't want to have more. There's so much weird stuff hanging out of this right. Amiga now. I support your decision 100%. And so I cut it. So I did cut it. <clears throat> I'd use the Dremel tool, and it turned out okay. And then mounted it in, in a wacky way, but it's good and sturdy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, it, of course, it's got a USB port in it. And, and if you ever want to go back and maybe, you know, use use some kind of a tool to kind of round off those edges, you know, make it look a little bit more straight, you definitely could. But it's kind of a hard thing to do because that case is so brittle to begin with. That it you is. Don't really it, want to that was, it. again, that's why the case was jacked up. It's just really yeah. brittle, and these things yeah. are old. Um, so we installed that, and I'll have to say that worked. And I'll present to you both since you weren't around when I did this. This is a... The neat thing about the GoTech is you can you, it you it's got 999 slots that are basically flop you can put your ADF floppy uh, files in, and so uh, what I did was I I went through and picked out 500 <laughs> discs and I mounted them and so I and I don't know why this amuses me so much but it does that is to, something straight out of the the 80s it that, does. that printout yes <laughs> so you can see I. Uh, I found a program. I'm this, surprised you didn't print that out on a daisy wheel printer. Or this something. program is great, yeah, because what it does is it lets you it lets you take the GoTech drive USB, stick it in your computer in your PC. It goes through all the stuff and it lets you drag and drop everything you want on the PC. So you're setting it up on there. You don't have to even worry about setting it up on the Amiga. And when you put it back, you're good to go. Plus, it'll give you a printout of of uh, what you did. Well, the only flaw I found is it prints everything. It's one digit off because it popular for whatever reason it populates triple zero, which oh. on the GoTech isn't popular because that's the boot file for wow. the GoTech. So, okay. so I, I had to go back and add numbers, and that's what these big long black lines are on here for. But it's neat to look through. It reminds me of my old super duper piety days to look through one of these old uh, printouts here and and. Uh, Say okay, I want to play RoboCop. Let's yeah. just dial up the 280. I used to order catalogs out of the back of Antic magazine, which is somebody would send me something that looked just like that and say, select the ones that you want. Send me a dollar for each, you know, each game, and then it's, you know, I'm. I'll tell you something, dear listeners and viewers. I'm an. I am a sad man because I got such joy from messing with this GoTech, and I've got an Amiga 1200 with a. You know, uh, a uh, compact flash drive because the WHD load set up, good to go. F- much, much faster because these things run it at floppy speeds. But man, it, just something gratifying about getting out your little handout mm-hmm. <laughs> and going to the right number. I now, really enjoyed you, it. If you hold down the button on the go tech, it goes faster. We'll go, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it doesn't take any time at all really mm-hmm. to get to these. And then if, and when it asks you to insert disk two, you just look down your list, okay. That's in that 44, and you mm-hmm. hit the next button, and it loads up 44. It's just awesome. Yeah. I love that. And plus, and I mentioned this to Boat, there are quite a few games on the Amiga. I learned this from when I was on my Martial Arts Spectacular that just aren't that don't have WHU loads and probably will never have them because they're so god-awful. Mm-hmm. And so this gives us an extra tool in the toolbox. So the GoTech, enthusiastic thumbs up for me on that. And if you've never... Um, if you've never used one of these GoTechs, if you're like me, I'm sure a lot of people that listen to this podcast are more than familiar with them. Right? But if you're not, just your normal average guy, uh, these things are cheap. You can get them pre-flash for the Amiga. If you're someone that just has an, a, a standard Amiga 500 sitting around, uh, boy, these are awful good. And you can, in fact, put these in your computer without damaging it. You can just extend it out the back or whatever. 
Uh, you could even set them up as drives one or two or three. I wouldn't because if you're an old Amiga fan, you know that you can't do jack squat with drive one, two, or three. It's all about drive zero. Uh, but you could do that. I saw a guy on the net that had set up two GoTech drives on ones. I don't know. I don't know why you would do that, but I'm sure he had some reason for it. Uh, but anyway, the GoTech, lots of fun. Mm-hmm. So then I uh, I was feeling real froggy, and I got our old expansion out, and we have a uh, uh, a uh, Data Flyer Express sidecar uh, hard drive memory combo for the 500. We never really fooled it much. Um, I know we got the memory working uh, sometimes, and sometimes it wouldn't work. So I got this thing going, <clears throat> and it had a hard drive in it, and I noticed that we never could get the hard drive to even spin up. And this thing has its own a port for its own uh, power supply. Well, again, it wants an Amiga power supply. We don't have one, much mm-hmm. less two. Can you imagine having two of these things hooked up? It'd be crazy. So I took a guess and thought, well, this probably just is here specifically to power this hard drive. So since we had our old jacked-up power supply in a box, I ran a cable out of it, made an extender that could extend into the Data Flyer Express, Plugged it into the hard drive, fired it up, and the sucker booted right up to the hard drive. Oh, yeah. Hard drive works. I think it's a, it's a real small hard drive, but it works. I, eggs, I installed um, a couple games on it that had hard drive installation, and they worked like a champ. We're fortunate that this thing has a 4 megs of an 8 meg possible, so we could actually put 4 more megs in it. Plus, it's got an IDE and SCSI adapter inside of it. Very cool. So, and an external SCSI. So, the next thing I'm going to try is I've just today, I haven't even told you this, but I ordered, I got bored last night and I was tired and too stupid not to do it. I ordered a compact flash uh, to IDE converter, a 4 gig card, compact flash card, and uh, work uh, uh, Kickstarter 3 1 to put in this thing. So, I, which I ordered, by the way, from Amigo on the Lake. Really? Uh, we're going to give them a shot. So I thought this would be a good way to give them, a, give them a shot. Yeah. And, uh, it's, hey, it's great to be able to order ROMs domestically, mm-hmm. by the way. Uh, so I'm hoping they come through for us. So hopefully next week, I'm, my next attempt is going to be to try to run the IDE to Compact Flash um, in, like off the IDE of the Data Flyer Express. Mm-hmm. I have no knowledge of how to do this or how it works i think i know which jumper to set but i'm not sure so i'll but figure it, it out if it does work you're going to have what amounts to probably the ultimate amiga 500 well, as the, far the, as you know compatibility maybe not speed because there's no vampire card we have one that. failing point here and that is the uh the belly slot memory we don't have any which so that means we're stuck at 512 k of chip memory this is a problem most things are going to require at least a meg and i think a lot most whds require it and i've priced them and uh let's just say that will be a future possibility mm. but i can at least test it now and most of the games i tried worked and uh so it's a step in the right direction so i had a lot of fun delving back into the amiga hardware and I will say I used a lot of the videos and tutorials on our own site, which was very gratifying, thanks to our, thanks to the Brain Trust, who yeah. I've already went down this road before, and <laughs> paved the way for us. So, uh, but uh, we'll keep you informed. And I did shoot a video, uh, which I'll be putting up probably tonight, uh, to uh, 
just sort of chronicle what I did, and, I'll sh- and it shows the wacky setup I had going, and it's wacky. Uh, but uh, hey, the one advantage of having that external PC hard drive is I can run the power right off of it with an extender that I built. Oh yeah, right into the back, up through the metal of the, of the data flyer. It's a beautiful thing. So the the next thing that you need to work on is figuring out some way. Now that you've kind of done all you can with this for right now, is get out the old Spectrum again and start tooling well, around with that. Well, I've already been researching Spectrum. Oh, yeah. The Spectrum is it, it's strictly video. I mean, it works. It's just a video mm-hmm. issue. And uh, this is a, a machine that was donated to us by uh, Amigos contributor Gary Hucker. Yes. And uh, uh, don't think we forgot about it, Gary. Uh, I've actually been trying, what I've been trying to do is find a way to and just so you know, this is a lot like the conversation we had in the pre-show about collecting video games. <laughs> collecting these old consoles when you can easily just emulate them. But, no, I'm not trying to find a way to get a good, strong video signal that we can capture mm-hmm. out of the ZX. And it's, uh, with the what I'm using to capture with, it just don't like that signal. Right. It don't like it's it. very man. similar to the what I try and capture out of the Atari 800. Right, yeah. and so... Uh, uh, I'm look. I'm working on that, and I've, I'm look, looking at some tutorials and some guides. But we'll see. Yeah. That's that's next on the chop. I, I've had, I've got it sitting out on my desk right now. And I know Jason is is listening live here on the chat tonight. Jason, if you if you have any ideas on how to get a clean video signal out of either the Spectrum or the uh, Atari 1200XL from a in, a in a like a composite video card or video capture card, let us know. I should mention Jason. Uh, made it made it much easier for me to work on the 500 with his tremendous. I know I've praised him many times. I'm going to do it again. His uh, I use the uh, his S video adapter for the 500, and I didn't have S video where I was at, but I did have a little monitor that had just regular RCA video, and it worked worked fine for that too. And it, I mean, that thing's a lifesaver because that that you know we you know how much I hate the adapter for that 500 for yeah. video. It's just god awful. So. Yeah, that and again, I should have mentioned that, but that's how I'm getting video out of the 500, and it's mm-hmm. tremendous. Yeah. It works great. Yeah. So anyway, we haven't done an update on the House Amiga for a while now. With all this work that's gone in this, but are you regretting your choice to kick the ditch all this stuff? Not at all. Oh my god! Because you're going to regret it when I get it done. Because if I hadn't done this, you wouldn't have done any of this, and you've gotten so much joy out of this project. Oh. God. That I I feel like this was totally the right. Oh thing. yeah, you could have done it though. You're missing out on your own joy. I'm missing out on my own joy. That's <laughs> well, we're crazy. gonna have something to work with. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> the things come a long way from that swine dive. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, shall we go on to the rest of the uh, Amiga news? Sure. Today? Um, just a couple items from me. Uh, I saw that the company uh, just today, I believe, or maybe earlier this week, um, have put out a new uh, one of their classic. PC compatible EXE files on a game I've heard about but never played called Lords of Chaos. Ooh. Oh, um, you know these these make it handy. That looks very. Um, um, it looks like Fantasy Star. It does. It looks. It reminds <laughs> me sort of like uh, like the old Ultima or something. Mm-hmm. That yeah, but the graphics yeah. are way better. But uh, I've heard good things about that particular uh, game, so that might be fun to, get, to give a whirl. Um, the uh, there's a game out called K240. Uh, it's the sequel to Utopia, and it's a, a game. Again, another game I've never played, but it's, it, got, a, it's got a like a populous look to it. It does, um, like and Populous well, it's a sequel to Utopia. City. So, but uh, it's it is out now. I believe who's it say that is out through? That is through um, yeah, game Games nostalgia. nostalgia. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, 
it's sad these games keep coming out, and I've not played <laughs> That's another one I haven't played. Uh, but uh, I've never even heard of that one, to be honest yeah. with you. But it looks cool as hey. It that does. Is, it looks awesome. That looks like your kind of game, yeah. but, um So another game we've mentioned before. This is a beautiful day for games, right? Uh, Lumberjack Reloaded. Uh, which is, I believe, a port from the from the N64, from the C64, uh, has and has uh, finally finished. They're now taking pre-orders, and I'm telling you, having looked at the earlier builds of this, this looks tremendous. It looks, I mean, graphically, it looks real nice. Mm-hmm. What an interesting art style that it has. Uh, it's going to have full case, the whole nine yards. Should yeah. be should be pretty slick. And so, hey, we like the indie stuff, man. I, I always think that's kind of... That's Did you kind play of, Lumberjack back in the day? I have, I've watched people play. No, I don't, I, like I said, I didn't have a C64. I don't know how... I don't know. I'm, when you say back in the day, I'm not even sure how old this game that's is. That's true. It might be... You know, yeah. I, I don't know much. I'm just All I know is the Amiga side of it, so I don't know much about it before that. Um, <coughs> I saw that there... Uh, oh, this is, uh, just just to clear clear the uh, confusion there, this is a homebrew yeah, game. Yeah, So I this thought. is not an old game at all. No, but okay. I mean, it, it was released on the C64. Right. Uh, another version of it. Um, I read that they had... Uh, I haven't put this up or linked it. They've, they've had a game contest from last year end, and we actually covered this contest... I wasn't sure who won. I looked at the website. I was going to post it. I was like, you know, I'm just going to wait on this one. So uh, it was one of the game programming contests. I believe it might be the same one that had that uh, that version of, uh, um, what was that? It was based on the movie. Um, shoot. I'm, yeah, I'm drawing a blank here. But anyway. Uh, last Starfighter? Last, I think it was maybe the same contest that did that last mm-hmm. year. I guess they just picked the winners. But like I said, I wasn't sure who won. It wasn't really made clear to me from the link that I was provided. So I'll look into that one. That one I'm not 100% sure of. Uh, do you want to go over some of these uh, site updates? Sure. Better? So, uh, again, this is all the stuff that's been uh, happening over at the Amigos home on the web, everythingamiga.com. So uh, make sure you check back early and often. Uh, the first bit of news is something that was just released today. Episode 3 of the Amigos Challenge is complete. Oh, and uh, I picked this one and... Yeah, Aaron picked this game. This was uh, Beatbox from Pinball Dreams. So we had a challenge. Who was the best? Uh, uh, who, who could get the highest score on one game of Beatbox? And much like last week, the winner left nothing to doubt. No, there was no, it was not close. <laughs> and uh, again, Brutal Barracuda did a great job uh, putting together this uh, compilation video. Um, he did. He, I mean, he did really did a great. We job. had a ton of entries this week. Uh, I didn't count. Let's see, three six nine. We had nine entries, which is the most entries we've ever had. Um, and uh, the scores were kind of all over the map on this one. Um, if we skip to the end here, uh, Pixels at Dawn was the winner uh, with a score of like fifty four million. <laughs> um, I, I felt okay about my score, but man, I felt like a piece of garbage. For yeah, that. yeah. I mean, I, I play. I put, I put a good, you know, I put some time into this one, and I thought I had a pretty solid score. We were pretty much neck and neck, only a hundred thousand points in between us. Um, but uh, but pixels at dawn just kept going and going and going and so I know he he I believe he said he had some, he earned some extra balls yeah of course Paul's always up there near the top too yeah. it's the usual suspects but man these guys I mean we're playing in a different a different realm when we play with some of these guys because they're just they're they're at thirty four million five hundred sixty two thousand that's incredible pixels at dawn yeah that's so. a good that's a good score uh, you know again I'm gonna show my ignorance here but man. I, I was sitting. I was sitting at work today when this popped up. All right, 
And I was like, ooh, I was so, so excited. <laughs> and my partner works like, Jesus, what's wrong with you, man? I'm like, the new scores popped up. <laughs> and I'll watch. I'm like, go, go. I was like, oh. This is what I saw. Because I saw when I went out and saw how much video was left. I'm like, well, I'm screwed. Yeah. But it was still, it's neat to watch. It, it really is. And he really did a good job. Again, Brutal just does such a great job with those compilations where you can see all, all, this, all the screens at once. And, the, and again, the, the, the challenges are, are, are a fun, free thing. Just come to our forums. Uh, I'm sure the new challenge will be announced probably in the next couple of days. Mm-hmm. And uh, anyone can enter. Just send us a video of your game. And it's a, again, it's a great way to reconnect with your old uh, games and 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 have fun with us and uh, all the other uh, amigos family. And so uh, uh, we'd love to have as many people as want uh, send in their videos and and uh, and let us know how you how good you are. Yeah, yeah. Um, so on actually, we didn't talk about this last week, although we did the episode. Um, we must have skipped over the story, so we'll talk about it now. Uh, of course, last week we did Jaws, yeah, and uh, not not a stellar game, but Dreamcatcher uh, once again um, put up a huge review of Jaws that uh, gotcha. is it kind of combines. This is another one of these things, that, you know. Only he he he's really turned this into an art form where he reviews the movie and the game simultaneously. Yes. And sometimes on multiple platforms. Yeah. <laughs> I, actually, I read this article and for some source because I, I was like, man, oh, oh, how lucky are we? And I guess that he knew what we were doing because, I mean, it, it's a tremendous article. Yeah, yeah. So um, make sure you check that out. Uh, Dreamcatch has also written an article about SCOM. And um, this is, or this is, I'm sorry, not SCOM, TFX. This is a flight simulator, I believe, right? TFX. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I thought, don't we have this? Is this a gift that we got for somebody? I don't think so. I don't think we got TF. I maybe I I may I think I had this the discs of this. Maybe that's what it is. Um, but this is this is brand new, and so uh, make sure you, you check this out. That you know it's it looks awesome. I was gonna say it looks really really good. <laughs> we might have to check that out. On yeah, episode that looks so point. good. We haven't Man. we haven't done a uh, flight sim in a while. Um, oh, we've got liberation. That's what I'm liberation, thinking. Liberation. Yeah. 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 Uh, and then we've also this got, was, yeah, this is this is Dreamcatcher reviewing Psycho, <laughs> uh, which I had no idea was a game. I did not either. <laughs> I couldn't believe it when I saw it. And again, this is another combination uh, movie review and game review. Yeah, I've got a, I've got a sad, pathetic announcement. You know, I love Alfred Hitchcock. I love him. I've seen a bunch of. I have never seen Psycho. Me neither. And I feel like uh, I'm astonished at my own stupidity for not going to watch it because I've seen a ton of his other films. You know, that's one I never saw. And so I'm going to put it on the list. I read that. I was like, I was getting fired up for it. I was like, you know, you really need to. I mean, I know the story of it. You know, I think everyone does now. It's sort of woven into modern culture. At least I think it is. But that's it. Was a good article too. That screen looks great. Yeah, (laughs) I love that. Um, And. in the Amigos Labs category, um, Gary Hucker has been hard at work uh, with an A90 hard drive plus. Um, so make sure you, you check that out. I can't remember if we talked about this last week or I not. I think we mentioned it. I don't know if we okay. got into it too much. Again, Gary's stuff's always gold. He's real good at explaining what's going on. Yeah, there's always new hardware stuff going on, and, and his videos are wildly popular. So if, you, if you're at all interested in the hardware scene... Uh, he's he's got the answers that you seek. Yeah, he's got some of the most popular stuff on our channel. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, I think that that is 
everything that has happened on the site. Oh, wait a minute. We got one more Dreamcatcher article to talk about. This is about John Hare. Uh, this <laughs> did is, you read this? This is the sensible guy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That's and, another good one. Uh, which, Sodov the Sorcerer. I really want to play that. <laughs> um, I tweeted this article out to John Hare himself. I did not receive a response. <laughs> but uh, there's there's uh, a great article there. Uh, a nice little uh, profile of him. Yeah, Dreamcatcher. Man's on fire. Yeah, yeah. All right, Aaron. It's time. Let's talk the secret of Monkey Island. All right, let's do it. So, you know, I will say to to preface this, uh, we've went through 99 episodes and have touched on well over 100 games, probably up near 115 games, mm-hmm. you know, with all the compilation yeah, episodes. Yeah, maybe even more than that. Yeah, and pinballs. And, yeah. And we have tried to touch on... Uh, I mean, we really don't go out of our way to touch on the most popular games, but we've, through uh, uh, just the sheer amount of volume, mm-hmm. we've touched on most of the popular games. And early on, we talked about doing Secret of Monkey Island. <clears throat> and then we did Elvira. And we realized that it's hard to talk about in a... In a um, to give an educated opinion on a game like this when you have a week to look it over mm-hmm. and uh, and of course I was <laughs> I was way more familiar with Elvira's games than I were these I'm sad to say but this is a game that stuck out like a sore thumb and I've been wanting to talk about it and I know you have and uh, uh, so we ha- we took a little bit extra time to look this one over Um uh, as I've mentioned before, I am not a patient man or good man at these sorts of games, but I gave it a shot. I have uh, gotten through some of the puzzles and watched a lot of the playthroughs and read a lot of documentation. Uh, and uh, uh, I know you were pretty familiar with this game before uh, this episode. Now, you did you play this on what? Were you on the PC when you played? Yeah, this back I played in the day? this. Uh, I didn't play this back in the day. Uh, I didn't play this game. Until it was probably 2006, 2000, yeah, probably 2006 when I discovered the Scum emulator. Oh, I see the Scum emulator, of course. Yeah. And mm-hmm. uh, and so of course looked at Maniac Mansion. Is that the first is... time you played Maniac? Uh, I played a little of that on the Nintendo. Uh-huh. See, yeah. that's one I now that one I'd played more back in in the old days on the PC. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, but the Scum emulator, boy, yeah, it did. A lot of people got into these after brought that, a lot yeah. of that stuff. To yeah, so. That being said, uh, this is The Secret of Monkey Island. It was released on the Amiga in 1991. Uh, sources say this was ported over from the PC VGA version. Uh, apparently, from what I read, there was a EGA version that predated the VGA in some way. There was a, There's a version of this that's different than what... Is commonly referred to as the as the normal version of Monkey Island, where they, I know the EC the EGA version, which if you're not a PC person, EGA was the predecessor of VGA, and I believe it was 16 color graphics, mm-hmm. um, and it was said to look quite bad. I mean, I'd seen a bunch of EGA, and I will tell you this: after having CGA for a long time, looked EGA looked good. great. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but when uh, everything wasn't neon green, pink, right? And the, uh, um, so this game came out on four discs uh, on the Amiga, and it was out. It was put out. It was developed by Lucasfilm Games. 
Now, Lucasfilm Games, or, or LucasArts, I believe they changed their name eventually, but when this was out, it was Lucasfilm. They released some pretty good stuff uh, uh, over the years. Uh, this game was put out right around the same time that Indiana Jones and, and The Last Crusade, I think it was, was, was out. Uh, and it was on the same basic engine. Uh, they also had, uh, just to name a few other games, of course, you got your Maniac Mansions. Uh, you've got your, uh, they did uh, Loom. Is that, is that on the Amiga? Have you, have you ever played Loom? I've got Loom. You know, they they did a, um, <clears throat> there was some kind of a Steam sale, and I ended up with all these games on oh, Steam. Oh, really? Yeah, I've got Indiana <clears throat> Jones and the Fate of Atlantis and, and all that. Uh-huh. Uh, they, Zach McCracken was another one that was that was, that was done. Uh, so, and, and you want to explain, if, you have, if you've never played one of these games, can you explain the, the sort of the scum engine or how these games work? Sure. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and, and start the... Uh, you're watching on YouTube. I'm going to go ahead and start the uh, playthrough. Thanks to World of Long Plays once again for their awesome playthrough footage on YouTube. The Scum Engine, it's <clears throat> it was sort of a, the successor to the original um, graphic adventure game that was kind of put forth by Sierra, where you had a, um, a basically a cursor and you would type commands into um, into an engine that would parse your text. Right, this is sort of a... These are the games that came out directly after, say, Zorks. Yeah, yeah. So when, right. once you got past Zork, which was, you know, the original, once you started adding movement in a world where you had a character, you know, an avatar like King's Quest or Leisure Suit Larry, again, the, the Sierra games, um, that this was sort of uh, the, the next big thing. What made the... Um, what made the Scum engine work was the advent and popularization of the mouse as an input device. Uh, with a lot of the King's Quest games and Leisure Suit Larry games, you still you were using older PCs that didn't have a mouse, and so you're using the arrow keys to move your guy around and then typing commands. Um, the uh, the Scum Engine simplified all that by giving you a list of I think there there might be sixteen commands we'll we'll see here in a little bit how many commands there are exactly um, and they covered all possible ways that you could interact with the world so there was no guessing you know one of the most infuriating things about playing text adventures or the early graphical adventure games is you couldn't find the right verb to do what you wanted to do and, and right? that that was very frustrating in those old games in fact it got to the point they would they would release a helper. They usually include something to help you with some, you know, it's like, listen, here, here are the mostly used ones. The flip side of it is the only good thing is you could sort of experiment and get wacky results sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes yeah. they'd write little funny Did things. Did you play a lot like of the that. old text adventures back in the I day? I played a lot of them. I didn't play any really? of the big ones, but uh, I had a bunch of, you know, on my Atari 1200XL, I had a bunch of gra- or text adventure games that were on copy discs that, you know, were public domain stuff and stuff like that. Really? Do you, do you recall a favorite or two? I liked a game called Beachcomber a lot. You were, uh, you were playing this guy on a boardwalk. And uh, you, you wander into this. First of all, you find some coins on the beach, and then you wander into an arcade, and you put money into the arcade, and the, the machine comes up, and you get sucked into it, kind of like Tron. Right. Yeah, this big adventure. Wow. Yeah. That, yeah. That, you wouldn't think that from the, from the title. Right, right. It was, it was a neat game. Um, there was a game where you'd go down into some mines. It was kind of like a text-based dungeon crawler mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and, and fight stuff. What about you? I, you know, I had some pay, more patience in those days, but you had to have to be very patient. I remember just text-only games. I believe there was one called Enchanter I played. I want to say that was what it was called. 
there was, I, you know, I, I had, I dipped my toe in the pool of Zork, the original Zork. Um, I also played uh, a lot of the graphic, a, a lot of basically text adventures with a picture, you know, mm-hmm. those. Uh, those were big on the Coco when I was growing up. I played one called Trek Bower. I played Madness and the Minotaur. I played um, uh, Bedlam was one. I, I remember playing, you know, my, my friend Chudley is a big fan of those. He played them all and beat a bunch of them. Yeah, those, those were games. games that I never, the Atari never had those. I don't think it had quite the, the power to, or if it did, they just didn't make them uh, where you had. But I know what you're talking about. Uh, I think there was one that was based on The Hobbit. Um, that was a, it was a, basically a static picture, and then you know with your parser at the bottom. Yeah, the the Coco had very like if you if you look at uh, Monkey Island, and it, I consider Monkey Island and its sequel sort of the pinnacle of this particular type of genre for this time period. I, you know, I, I didn't I don't know if you ever played like Grim Fandango, some of the later. They're different games. They are. They but so I consider this a separate sort of right. entity. And these were sort of, they sort of got the formula, mm-hmm. right? Because they made movement easier. Because in the ones I used to play, you had to type, go east, go mm-hmm. east, go west, go up, go down, whatever. There was no click, there was no there was no mouse. Right, and that's... And so uh, they made movement easier on these. They made use of the verbs easier. They made use of picking, interacting with objects and other characters you, easier. You had a graphical inventory... Uh, uh, yeah. You know, which was useful, so you didn't have to leave the screen, you know, to see what you had. How many times have you typed I and V? Right. And those old ones just to see what you had. Yeah. And it would just scroll words mm-hmm. up. You're like, well, let's see. I got a I got a <laughs> shovel and a pitchfork. And a lot of times, the clues for what you'd have to do would be in the items themselves. And so, um, you know, the picture of the item would give you a clue with what to do. With yeah. It. Uh, and in, in the purely text, once you examine mm-hmm. shovel, right? There's a shiny plate on the on the handle. Examine mm-hmm. handle or whatever. It, you know, it's funny because that when I remember when text-based games came out, I had already seen video games. It's not like I'd never seen a video game, mm-hmm. and and these came out, and I was just thinking, you know, this just doesn't do it for me. And I will say the only back when I was learning to program, I did program a couple of these or started them. I just thought of another one, and this is one. This is one of the few video games that I played with my dad. It was called. Fuse box. All right. Okay. And what you what, what it was was the whole game was like the power goes off in your house. <laughs> yeah. And you have to like you have to get the the flashlight. And I'll never forget the most enraged I've ever seen my father playing a video game was he couldn't figure out the right verb to put the batteries in the flashlight. He tried <laughs> use batteries in the flashlight, put batteries, and it was nothing. And we finally figured, but I mean, that was it. I'll never forget it. I will say the parsers in this thing got pretty elaborate. Mm-hmm. If there was a game, there was a murder mystery one. I'm trying to think of the name of it. It was, it was like Deadfall or something like that, where you played a detective that were that was investigating a crime. And I remember thinking, man, you can really type anything into this and do all. You could do anything. It was incredible mm-hmm. the amount of, of of things it would understand. And sometimes you could uh, another one, Leather Goddess is a Phobos. You ever heard of that? One? I've heard of it. It was sort of an erotic, you know, style game. Mm-hmm. Not really, right? You know, as erotic as a text based adventure, right? <laughs> right. And I remember playing. That's another one that had a real interesting parser in it. But so when you consider the Scum Engine comes along. And, and, of course, now the, the games you're talking about from uh, Sierra, you're talking about those the King's Quest King's games. King's Quest and Leisure Suit Larry. Right. And, and the King's Quest games were out before Scum came around. Yeah. Those, I know that for doing research for this show. And then 
and and those those were better. But I never got into the King's Quest games. I believe it was a what was the lady's name that was responsible? Roberta Williams. Roberta Williams, just quite famous. Mm-hmm. And she had a, a. They ran forever. Well, know? and the there's 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 some significant differences between the Sierra games and the LucasArts games. Uh, the LucasArts games really encourage you to explore and to try new things and to see what kind of wacky things can happen. The King's Quest games do not do that at all. If you screw up and you use an inventory item in the wrong way, it's over. You're screwed. Yes, you've got to restore from a place where you still have that. Um, and that's really frustrating. It's also possible to die in Sierra games. You know, you fall into the water, you die. Um, in LucasArts games, and this was the genius of LucasArts, is that he made these games, he took what was already good about the, the, the Sierra games and made them more accessible to an audience that, you know, it, he made them a lot less frustrating. Well, I know doing some research, I was reading a blog of the... Uh, of one of the developers, and they, they were saying they they wanted to create a game where you didn't get killed. There's really only one one way I know of to die in this, and that's if you could run out of air. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think there's. I mean, I haven't tried every conceivable way, but I don't know of any other way. It's definitely can, not something you accidentally can do. You can even go off the side of a cliff, and and I remember the uh, it would say rubber tree. You'd bounce back, you know, something <laughs> silly. Uh, so and the scum engine, of course, most of the games that were out for it had a had, hey look, there's your there goes your cook, um, had a, had a sense of humor, you know uh, that there was heavily involved in in the game, and this one, you know, is notorious for being one of the funnier games right. around. And it's hard, it's it no matter what genre <laughs> you're in, it's hard to write funny video. It games. is, boy, that's the truth. So let's go into the now that we've sort of established what the path to the to the scum engine. Uh, we'll we'll get into the game itself. So, Secret of Monkey Island, which is on a heavily modified Scum engine, uh, they took what they had and and made it better mm-hmm. for the game. Uh, it's a it's a it's a story about a about a man who wants to become a pirate. It's as simple as that. Uh, in fact, he just announces at the beginning of the game that he wants to uh, be a pirate <laughs> to somebody. Uh, his name is Guy Bush. Guy Brush. Guy Brush. I always do that. His name is the stupidest name of all time. Uh, I don't. I don't think there's any hidden name. I just picked. Let's, let's pick a yeah. dorkish name. Well, I think yeah, Guybrush Threepwood, you know, pirate. Yes. Now, uh, uh, Guybrush is not um, manly or tough in any way. He's not getting like at this. No. And so your job is to guide him through. Uh, this this world. Now you start on Melee Island, trademark, mm-hmm. which is one of the running gags <laughs> in the game. It's always got a little TM beside it, and so does Monkey Island. It's got one too. And you are if, if, uh, the story unfolds. You're going to become a pirate. You go into a uh, a pirate bar, and it's as wacky as you would think. Great you know, music, uh, and uh, they give you these guys give you basically their three trials. And effectively, this game is broken up into chapters. And so the first chapter of this game is, is you're trying to uh, trying to get some money to and get some items you're going to need to basically complete these trials, I guess. Which really, the saying trials, it's not really like it's not that bad. It's more like wacky puzzles. Right. Um, the uh, uh, the music in the game is very nice. Uh, I, we of course again we we hear some of it more often than you want. Uh, the uh, the uh, sound is good. Now, this game got a, 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 a CD-ROM release. I think it was 2009. 
a new updated version that updated all the music and updated all and added voice acting mm-hmm. and stuff. But the Amiga version is just what we would consider a MIDI type you know, soundtrack. Right. Um, so you've got your guy and you've got to complete these trials, and that's where the and that's where the game unfolds. Uh, there's a uh, I'm not going to go into the full plot because I don't want to spoil it for anyone, but the, uh, some of the cast of characters in it are a there's a uh, a ghost with a ghost crew. Uh, LeChuck. Then there, my personal favorite character of all, by far, is the used boat salesman. <laughs> this guy can't be described. I worked for a car salesman for many years, and this guy has every attribute of him. I think his name, let me see here, Salesman Stan. That's about right. And he comes out, and he's got, his arms are always going like this. <laughs> and he's always like, I've got a great deal for you on this thing. He's always got these angles, and it's so funny. And every time I see that guy laugh, I like these the the uh, idiot store keep that you can that you can trick into showing you where the swords lady is, and he he'll he'll generally do anything you ask, no matter how stupid. And <laughs> there's a bit where you you want to rot you want to get a right to get by a boat. Did you get this far enough? No. And so what you do is you go into his store, and you say I need a and you. Tell him you need a writ for a boat, and he goes up to his safe, and he comes back down, and, you, and, he, and you're like, I got no money. He's like, he goes back up to the safe, and you've already sent this guy to go get the swordswoman once, and so you tell him you need her again, and so he goes out to get her again, because he'll just do whatever you want. He just grumbles and is pissed off, and then you go rob him, effectively. Uh, there's, you know, there's all the characters, and it's all the secondary characters are funny, and they're... Uh, they're uh, Jokes don't suck. This like the uh, salesman has all kinds of wacky descriptions of what he's selling, and they're all good. Um, another aspect of this game that is sort of famous at this point is the sword fighting mm-hmm. uh, mechanic. Uh, do you remember the sword fighting mechanic? So it's you know obviously in a game like a scum engine game, you can't have anything that resembles like action. Um, it's just not built for that. Right. So instead, you trade insults with your with your sword fighting and. Um, and it's it's probably the thing that besides rubber chicken with a pulley in the middle. It's probably the second most famous thing about this game. The uh, the fact that they wanted to make a game that didn't have any actual arcade elements, mm-hmm. I sort of appreciate that because I always hated games that sort of mix those two. Cinemaware. Well, no, Cinemaware games weren't didn't have this much going on though. But uh, uh, in terms, but I mean, uh, if we have to, well, let me put it this way: if the Cinemaware games didn't have the arcade elements, what would you have? That's true. <laughs> there, there would be no game, effectively. Um, so uh, the the insult thing, basically, they the, the developers got the idea for this. They they watched a lot of old pirate movies, mm-hmm. and they saw that in these movies there was really never that much swordplay. These guys, all they did was just maul each other <laughs> verbally. So that's where they got the idea for the which is for the it's insult. A genius idea. And so what guy what what Guybrush has to do is go over the island and basically pick and fights. And when he would pick these fights, the other pirates would just badmouth him and badmouth him until, until he and he would lose the fight. But you would hear all these insults, so you knew how to respond to the mm-hmm. insults with your own insult. Right. It's quite brilliant, yeah. really. Yeah. And it's sort of the, one of the things that the game's really well known for. Um, the. Uh, uh, the fact that you have to interact 
with so many characters, and there's so much to say. Mm-hmm. It's another thing that has to be touched that's on. That's another thing that is much different between this game and the Sierra games, is that the dialogue, there's so much more dialogue in these games. Oh, gosh. And, I can't imagine how much lines right. are written in this. And there are trees, you know, there, it's, there are dialogue trees that are set up, and this is really the... These games are the roots of the Telltale series that are like The Walking Dead and all of these games that really have no puzzle-solving elements. You're just going through dialogue trees. All of this is kind of... It comes from these Scum Engine games. I've never played any of those newer games. Have you tried any of those? I've played this... Well, I haven't played The Walking Dead, but I did play a lot of the remake, the Telltale episodic uh, Monkey Island games. And they're very oh, good. Yeah, and yeah. I read about those. So you have tried yeah, those. Yeah, I've played probably three or four of them. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, how do they how do they compare in terms of the gameplay? Exactly the same. The only thing that's different is that you're on you're in a 3D environment, so you can um, so you can kind of go in and out of the background a mm-hmm. little bit more. But the dialogue works the same way. Uh, you have the same commands down at the bottom of the screen. Um, it's. Uh, the only thing that's different is that the graphics are better and there's voice acting. Mm-hmm. But the, the writing is still really good. These games are 2D, this game, I mm-hmm. should say. But it's laid out in a way where your character... since the, Another brilliant act. Since you're not really controlling... You're not really controlling his every move. And so they can have the guy walk behind things, mm-hmm. walk off into the distance, right? It, it, you come can... towards you, and it actually is quite nice the the uh, the way that the cunning way that they handle it. I mean, he'll he'll get he'll go off in the distance and get smaller and smaller, mm-hmm. you know. And, and you never have to worry about pathfinding issues like you do in other games which is, where you go back and forth. That's such a great thing because yeah. some in a game like this, too much freedom is a bad thing. Yeah, because you can really get stuck and get frustrated yeah. easy. You know, I, uh, going back to King's Quest for a moment, I remember playing this. I remember the very first King Quest. I believe it had a Coco release. It was the first one or second one. And I thought, man, how beautiful this game is. Mm-hmm. And of course, you look at it now. Uh, but, I mean, this was way back in the early 80s. Uh, but th- that was one of the problems. The, the, the way those games handled it was, it was very inf- infuriating to me. Yeah. This game, and even Maniac Mansion, they did it a lot better. But this game, really, they—I think that's. People talk about the story, the comedy. I think the biggest, the biggest improvement, the thing that kept you coming, was the interface. Just a, a great interface. Well, and it's a world too. I mean, the Monkey Island world right. feels real. But you, yes, I mean the way that the way it's all handled, mm-hmm. the interaction with items. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just so much easier to do things. Or to try things, or to examine things. You don't have to. I mean, you, sometimes you have to get a little precise on picking on, on a hot spot on an item. It's mm-hmm. a little picky occasionally, mm-hmm. but not too awful bad. I've seen worse. Oh you yeah. Know? Uh, you've got the ability to control the, the scroll of the, of the words, how fast you want to go. You can skip cutscenes if you want. Mm-hmm. It's got all the stuff, the little things that you couldn't do in the old days that were infuriating, and it made you more frustrated than you should be. Because yeah. this game's got some pretty tough puzzles in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, the uh, a notorious one is the as is the grog machine I believe is what it's called that that's one I don't remember I'm not sure I ever saw it but I was reading about how tough it was you know and some of it's of course a lot of these games a lot of it's just like pick up stuff and try to figure it out type type right. of affair you know um, but this one again playing through it for this show uh, and I and I got to spend a little quality time with it uh, and I. Will not lie. There were parts where I got stuck that I had to go get help, and I got to a point where I said, "Okay, now I'm just gonna have. To, I'm not gonna be anywhere near finish this. Let me see what the heck's going on." I'd watch them play through certain parts mm-hmm. or whatever, 
But I mean, it. <laughs> I've watched a lot of playthroughs for this show, and they're seldom as entertaining as this. It's almost like watching a film. Mm-hmm. Towards the end, I it was is. just like, "This is such a ludicrous plot, and it's so." But the characters are so wacky. I had to see what was going to happen, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, so, uh, kudos to the dialogue, which again is, is the hardest thing on these, uh, and kudos for the kudos for the overall interface and the graphics are nice. The graphics are beautiful. I mean the 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 the, the sprites, the character sprites do look chunky and you know undetailed, but they're so they're so expressive, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and the backgrounds and things I think look really really nice. Plus they they do the trick. Uh, and when I say that, I mean it's you never wonder what's going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, there's all this is not a simple game in terms of uh, uh, where you go. It's not. I mean, so you you're he's he's in a lot of different environments, mm-hmm. and you couldn't you had to have some decent graphics to convey what's happening, and they did a good job with that. So I'll give them kudos on that too. Um, should have mentioned this earlier, but this game I was surprised with graphics being mentioned. It's amazing what this got released for. Now, listen, and some of these, I'm, I'm, I've got to have a look at some of these uh, various versions. I'll check this out. So, of course, you're going to have your uh, your uh, PC, mm-hmm. but you've got the iPhone and the iPad, which I think that must those be... those are probably the the newer versions. Right? I would say. No, these are no, these were they were released. They, what they did with the new version, I should mention this. There's a button in the new version that you oh, hit, and yeah. it literally changes the graphics back. Yeah, right? I remember. So you're basically, you, I mean, it's the same game. Just yeah. what they can, and oh, what a great feature that mm-hmm. is, eh? Uh, but uh, so you've got your iPad, all the iOS stuff. You got the, but it was released on the Apple Classic Mac, mm-hmm. right? The ST, mm-hmm. the FM Towns Marty, the Xbox Live Arcade, mm-hmm. of course, uh, the. Uh, Mega CD, aka Sega CD, had this. That's interesting. Yeah, I, it's, I would like to have a look at that. I would be. I, it should look pretty good. Yeah. And I mean, the the, the problem is the mouse control, right? Because that joystick for mouse, they never got that, did they? No. I mean, honestly, even with an analog stick, it's not that much fun, yeah. right? Um, the uh, um, and of course the PC had the CG EGA. Another I'd forgotten about MCGA, which is kind of a little step in between. I think that was between wasn't it? Was ECG was EGA better? I think it was worse than I think EGA was better than MCGA, wasn't it? I have no idea. Gosh, I'm so old. Uh, <coughs> and of course, uh, this game uh, spawned a sequel, several sequels, but one main sequel, uh, which was. Uh, uh, LeChunk's Revenge, I believe it was yeah. called. I, I did not. Into- I did not look at the sequel in any way. Uh, I uh, I didn't want to ruin it because I want well, to watch. We, all- should, we should talk about the the way that the sequels have kind of gone because I know a little bit about it. Yeah, I, I knew they were I, the things you mentioned. The episodes they were one of the last things that were released, right? This- yeah. So this game went through sort of a dark middle chapter. Uh, in the PS2 era, uh, I believe there was a game called Escape from Monkey Island, um, and it gives you full control over Guybrush in a 3D environment, sort of like you're playing um, Mario 3D or Ratchet and Clank or something like that. Is it a um, running around type yeah, game? Yeah, it's a running around type game, and by all accounts, it is awful. 
Really? So, have, yeah. you, have you ever seen that when you uh, I've seen it. I thought about buying it before, but I'm glad that I didn't. Because that's just, apparently that's it's an terrible. odd choice. Yeah. Isn't it? Um, and so, uh, but it emerged, like you said, in 2009 with that, uh, with the special edition. And then Telltale got the license and started making new Monkey Island games. And those guys are all awesome. Uh, they're the same uh, crew that has done the... Uh, the strong bad game and uh, the the Wallace and Gromit games, so mm-hmm. they really know their text or their their graphical adventures. Now, uh, according to Wiki here, the of course Monkey Island and all the games before that one were on the Scum engine. Mm-hmm. the The new engine that the uh, um, the new engine that was in Escape from Monkey Island used the Grime engine, which is the okay. Grim Fandango engine. Okay, all right. Um, and then it says here, Tell Us the Monkey Island, which was in 2009, had five episodes. So and you said you played through, what, two or three? Yeah. So those were much more like this than the... Oh, than, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the thought of playing this as a 3D game is disturbing no, to me. No, and it was just part of that awful trend where everything had to be a 3D game, you know, a 3D runaround game. You know, and now, when you played the, uh, the Tales... Did that have voice acting in it? Yeah, it was all voice. You, what could did you, turn, you could turn it off, but the voice acting was excellent. But what did you, having played this without voices, mm-hmm. what did you think about hearing voices for the characters? Well, That's always disappointing to me. I whenever I whenever I hear, like whenever I read Guybrush on this, I hear Guybrush from Tales. Oh, I see. Just like whenever I read Lord of the Rings, I hear Elijah Wood as as Frodo. I mean, whenever you see the movie, that shatters whatever you had in your mind. When I think of Guybrush, he's got the. If, do you know the nerdy kid on The Simpsons that always he's always working at a burger? Mm-hmm. That's what I imagine his voice <laughs> like. It reminds me of that guy. You know, he's a, he's a real, he sounds more Marty McFlyish, I think, in 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 Tales. I mean, he gets he gets tougher, obviously, mm-hmm. but. You know, especially at the very beginning of this, he's just a schlep, and he looks like such a tool right. when you walk up those first now, couple guys. Tales of Monkey Island takes place in the canon after all these games, mm-hmm. and so he's already a mighty pirate, when it, but he's still kind of blundering, you know. Mm-hmm. I uh, I did, I, I like the fact that they, I, and I, we sort of touched on this, when you, when you come into contact with certain characters, they'll have a zoom-in picture of them. Mm-hmm. It's... Um, as opposed to being like scum engine looking, it's more like a hand drawn almost sort of right. affair. Did that take you out of it at all, or do you dig it, that? It, to be honest with you, it did kind of take me out because when you get used to looking at graphics that are presented in a certain way, your mind's eye starts to fill in the details. Mm-hmm. But when you're broken from that by a higher definition picture and you go back to the way things look, you but oh boy, that really does look kind of not great. I will say, having played this, I at least attempted to play some of it without any help. Um, I quickly realized that I was going to need help. I I don't know what it is about these games. I, I just don't have the vision for them generally. I I can get through some of it, and but you know, like I I realized, for example, that the cook would come out of the kitchen. I might better get back in there, uh, which we t- that's a whole other tale for us. But and uh, uh, I managed to solve the uh, the the uh, the acrobat cannon puzzle part, mm-hmm. and you know. But I just I got to a point where I just it gets I feel like that I don't have enough time to sit down with one of these games and give it due justice because really this is a game of a sort of a bygone era in my life where I can just sit around like a kid. Mm-hmm. You could picture someone sitting in their bedroom and just playing this and being absorbed into it. Mm-hmm. It's that kind of story, right? And I feel like 
that I didn't get into these games when I was younger that I missed out. I'll have to say. Well, here's the way that I I approach these games because I I mean I've played the Telltale games like the Tales from Monkey Island. I mean it's been I was playing those when I was living in England, so that's uh, 2008 or 2009. I guess it was right after they came out, 2009. Um, and uh, and I've played some other Telltale games more recently than that. I look at these games like I'll give myself a set amount of time to figure something out. I'll be like, all right, I'm going to give myself 10 minutes to see if I can figure out this puzzle. Mm-hmm. If I can't figure it out, I go to a walkthrough. I get the solution. I say, oh, that's clever, and then I move on. I don't feel like I'm losing out because, like you said, at this point in my life, I don't have days and weeks to ponder a solution to a puzzle. I, I, it, stuff like this make me sad in a way because I, they they did when I was a kid. A lot of people that are very fortunate, probably a lot of listeners, who this stuff came out as they were ch- children and they had they and they really it's beloved to them. And I don't feel like a game like this I can do proper justice because I didn't get to grow up with it like that. It just they, I mean I if you were. Uh, uh, when I was a kid, they didn't have games of it anywhere near this good. You know, like I said, it was mostly like we're talking about text mm-hmm. and whatnot. And I have some affinity for those, but they weren't that they weren't in the same ballpark as this. Right. So uh, uh, I can give I can give this a lot of praise on all of its individual merits. It looks great. It's very clever. The in- interface is good, mm-hmm. uh, but it's not a game that I would probably go back and play because I know I couldn't get into it enough to to do well at it. You know. So there's that, but. I think it's I think it's uh, uh, I think it's famous for a reason. Yeah, and these days, um, you know, if if you're short on time and you want, because the writing is the star of the show right. here, you can watch a playthrough and get Which, all the benefits. Yeah, I mean, the playthrough. I mean, it would be fun to actually do to get it done myself. But mm-hmm. yes, the I it, thank God for a service like YouTube where you can sit down with these things. And you're right. There's a lot of these games where I can never possibly get to the end, mm-hmm. but it's fun. And this is one where you, like I said, I I, I enjoyed watching this thing. Uh, it was almost like watching a TV show or something, just, and it was it was very entertaining to see what would happen. Uh, but uh, you know, I, I I have to say overall, I was pleased with it. Having not ever played it to any effect, I mean, like I said, a t- cup of coffee. Oh, I pirated that. Let's give this a shot. Oh, I heard this was good. Blah 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 blah. Okay, let's go play some hybris. You know, right. twitchy stuff. But I have to say, I was, I was pretty impressed having having given it a shot. And of course, obviously, you would like this since you bought the mini mini sequel. Yeah, yeah, I love I love this game. I love um, graphical adventure games, uh, point and click adventure games. Um, so this is this is definitely one that's right up my alley. I uh, looked this thing up on eBay, as I want to do. And uh, if you own the box copy of this game, you're sitting pretty. Uh, uh, I saw these going. I saw auctions all over the map for this, but the one thing that was consistent was the auctions were for some bucks. Anything from 60, 50 to 60 bucks all the way up into the $100, $120 range. These were current auctions. And there's there's plenty of these available. And I thought, man, these are a lot of headhunters, a lot of people up here fishing. Well, uh, this game in the last couple months has sold up uh, uh, up in the 60 to $70 range. There was a copy sold in the U.S., uh, for fifty six bucks shipped, and there's a copy sold recently in the UK for seventy two bucks shipped, and up from there. So, uh, unless you catch the compilation on this, uh, and really, the compilation discs they're always cheaper when it when it appears in a compilation. So, I mean, if you just want to get this to play, and you want to have the original compilation, is the way to go. But if you're going to collect it with the box and have it, you know, proper just that game, you're going to be paying sixty seventy bucks. So, yeah. Still, you know, it's a good-looking game. The box is beautiful. The art's sort of 
iconic now off the mm-hmm. box. Uh, so if you're going to collect one, not the worst one to get. And I think I own the discs for this, but I can't be one hundred percent. I have to go back and check my box. All right. Well, that's going to wrap it up for this week. Uh, but before we go, we'd be remiss if we did not mention our awesome Patreon supporters. Um, if you are interested in supporting the Amigos Podcast, you can check out our page over at patreon.com slash Amigos Podcast. Uh, it is uh, a great thing to do because it gives you access to our um, Patreon-only pre-shows where we talk about arcade and pinball machine collecting. Uh, we talk about Aaron's, flooring. Aaron's outbuilding. <laughs> <laughs> All kinds yes. of awesome stuff. And also, if you want to get an awesome Amiga tea, you can go over to tpublic.com slash stores slash Amiga teas, or just go to everythingamiga.com and click on the Clothe Yourself link. Um, but getting back to our Patreon supporters, Aaron, I think we're going to do things a little bit different this week, and I'm going to let you read the Patreon supporters. Okay. Now, you can do it Wow, this is a hideous idea. Let's give this a shot. I'm not going to sing them because I'm... Just not good at that sort of thing. Let's see if I can pronounce these names. <clears throat> oh, you know what we should do? No, I don't. We should do... Uh, you do the first name, and I'll do the last name. Okay. Dream. Katcha. Adam. Bradley. John. Marshall. Darren. I'm tired of this already. Just read the names. <laughs> Cold. <laughs> Neil Mansell. Brutal. Better Kuta. Ooh. Alan Kebab. David McCrandles, the Huckster, Gary Hucker, Billy Will Williams. <laughs> what? That's, that's, that's like, a, like, I can only picture Billy D. Williams as you say that. Our boy Ravi Abbott, Kim Tommy Humberstadt. Oh, yeah. Josh Nan. He's the Nan. I love Nan. It's great. Jason the Genius Varnes. He's a master of various acts. Mm-hmm. We'll get into that. <laughs> The mysterious Lane. Yeah, no one knows anything. It could about be it. Sweet Stan Lane. It could be anybody. <laughs> could be Stan the Larry Hanson. No, because it's not Lane is oh, the name. Okay, maybe it's not him. Eric Nelson Riley. Eric Nelson for short. Mm-hmm. Anybody know who Charles Nelson Riley is? You have no idea who From that is. Game. Very good, both. Also, in a great episode of X Files. You ever watch that show? Uh, Graham Cracker W. Wobke, our good buddy. Webkey, Wobkey. When you have a, when you've got dots over things, I'm done. I don't know what the hell. That's all right. You here. say it in your own way. Uh, Paul Harrington, correct. No dots. No dots there. Rob Flack O'Hara, mm-hmm. the rapid poet ninja. That's true. Right. Laurent Giroux. <laughs> I've taught you well. Jonas Rulo. <laughs> French Hawaiian. Coleman. Barman. <laughs> Tapes from the crypt. Does that sound like you? You, sound, you sound just like me. It's like I'm listening to myself. Adam, don't call me Battersby Bradley. Oh, uh, yep. Chris Folds. David King Bingston. King Bingston. What about David? Where did you get that from? That's his nickname. Oh, okay. Daniel David <laughs> King Bingston. O'Brien's Retro and Vintage. 
home of the wackiest Facebook pictures I see every week. That's true. No, no doubt about it. O'Brien's has things that you don't even know you want. Yeah, I don't even think some of those things are illegal. I see I pictures see. on the page. I don't know what it is. I can't <laughs> read what it says. I just want to reach through there and just grab it, fiddle Make with it. Your it own. You know, uh, Chad, hat wearing man, Halstead, our good buddy. Mm-hmm. We haven't seen for a while. No. And this guy, piece of work, non ditch digging sucker, Brent. <laughs> Low tax dowdy, and that's an inside joke. Special thanks to Zudaz. You don't need to read that part. I'm going to thank Zudaz. Okay. And all the other game footage providers. World of Long Plays provided our in-game footage. Zudaz provides me with very often with these as well. That's true. He's a good man. And then next week, another show. Another show. Just another show. Just another hundredth episode show. We're going to be outside Whoops. on the um, on the uh, the parapet of Amigo Studios of the uh, overlooking the peasantry down below. That's right. That's Working, right. Toiling in the boat fields. That's right. We're going to have all. We're going to have surprises. We're going to have things that are not surprises that we've already told you. I'm surprised you, about. you have a parapet. Oh yeah, I'm already surprised. I'm going to take you up to the parapet. What if it rains? Well, then we'll come in from the parapet. I see. We might do it from the kitchen instead. That would be much lamer, wouldn't it? <laughs> unless bo- unless eat made a bunch of food. That would be oh, nice, wouldn't it? Think about that. Yeah, that'd be tremendous. Might need to order some food up. Uh, oh boy, we're gonna have uh, we're gonna have only the finest Nicaraguan cigars. Ooh, Nicaraguan. Oh, yeah, I went to town with these. Were these uh, made by rebels in the? I think so. There were a bunch of, like Guerrero pictures on wow. them. Wow. Um, what else? That's. I mean, there's gonna be so much so much action. It's gonna be. It's gonna be. A Are we great. gonna have any special guests on the show next week? I hope so. I hope your brother comes on. Oh, jeez! Why did I talk? <laughs> Maybe I'll get Chad on. He'll be out digging a ditch next week. He ain't gonna be here. Chad? No, my brother. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, hopefully we'll we'll have some special guests, and uh, we want to have a bunch of people in the chat. Uh, let's go ahead and thank the people that are in the chat. Hopefully I didn't say their names wrong. We got uh, the Huckster. Says the Huckster. nice job. Huckster. Gary Huckster. You'll never let me do that again, will you? Oh, they, they loved it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, you got Jason, Andy Davis. Uh, thank you, guys. Pishbot was there earlier, but he's gone. Thank you all for hanging out with us this It's like evening. 3 in the morning where he lives. Yeah. yeah. Well, actually, uh, yeah. You're, you're not kidding. So, anyway, uh, don't forget to vote. For uh, your top, uh, your your picks on everythingamiga.com. Mm. We'll get a, a Today, voting is more important than it's ever been. That's true. Please vote wisely. What do they say uh, in this in this day and age? More than ever. <laughs> more now than ever. I hate that. What? You see that everywhere. More now than ever. <laughs> Why do you hate that? I just hate it. I like in a world. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. We'll see you next week for episode 100. Until then, adios. adios.